The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Treating yourself like you matter is the foundation of everything good in relationships and life. If you are not for yourself, it will be hard to bounce back from losses, keep going in the face of challenges, or keep learning from your experiences and developing yourself in positive ways. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. This is the Next Big Idea Daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kovnat. Now, depending on the state of your love life, you might approach Valentine's Day with joy or with dread. But either way, I hope you approach it as an opportunity for change. We all deserve love, after all, and all of our relationships could benefit from a little attention. So, as a public service, I'm happy to present some big ideas from Rick Hansen, author of Making Great Relationships, Simple Practices for Solving Conflicts, Building Connection, and Fostering Love. Rick is a psychologist, senior fellow of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center, and the best-selling author of books like Hardwiring Happiness and Buddha's Brain. Here he is. One of the central experiences of my life happened when I was just six years old. I was standing outside our home in Illinois toward dusk on the edge of the farmlands, and I was seeing the yellow light coming out of the windows of our home, and I realized that I needed to get on my own side to find my way to happiness and to having a life in the years to come. I was really aware of that as a little kid, and I think sometimes other little kids are aware of something similar. There have been many ups and downs since, but this central experience and stance toward myself has remained. As a longtime therapist and also someone who's worked in many organizations and interacted with many people, I have found that this basic attitude of being loyal to yourself is missing or weak for many people. But treating yourself like you matter is the foundation of everything good in relationships and life. If you are not for yourself, it will be hard to bounce back from losses, keep going, in the face of challenges, or keep learning from your experiences and developing yourself in positive ways. So know what it feels like to be a friend to someone else, to be on their side, not against others, but for them. Know what that attitude feels like. Notice how you are in your own body. What are the expressions in your face when you're on someone else's side? And then apply this attitude to yourself. Know what it feels like to be strong on your own behalf. Maybe bringing up a memory of a time that you really did that. Maybe bring up another memory as well about being as kind to yourself as you would be, let's say, for a friend. Know what it feels like to bring encouragement, guidance, compassion, and respect to yourself. And then let this overall attitude, this stance, of being on your own side, of being loyal to you, really sink in. One time, I was really upset with someone who was important to me, very important to me, who really had mistreated me and done so for a number of years. 
and I was working on forgiveness. I was trying to forgive her. And I did, but I was still bothered by it. I still felt stuck until I realized that I needed to forgive myself for my own part. Forgiveness of others or yourself can include definitely a recognition of mistakes, even moral faults. You are not waiving your rights or denying or downplaying whatever happened, but in forgiveness, you are letting go, letting go of resentments, of driving for punishment, letting go of carrying around your grievances like a hot stone. You are laying down that burden. Now, for self-forgiveness to have traction, to be a full release, it helps to take full responsibility for whatever was your own part in the matter. And this full responsibility has the wonderful effect of enabling you to see and separate from what was not your responsibility in whatever happened. Also, allow feelings of regret, guilt, and remorse to flow through awareness as they come and go without following after them, without fueling them, without trying to hold on to them. In other words, without getting caught up in them. Further, know what you are going to do or are currently doing to repair what you can, to make amends, to apologize for, if that's appropriate. Know the actions that you will take that are appropriate. Know what you intend to do as well going forward. Feel your determination, your commitment to walking a higher road next time. And then last, know that you have done these things. You've taken responsibility, you've opened to feeling whatever is appropriate, and you've cleaned up the mess as best you can. And then on the basis of that honest knowing inside yourself, actively and deliberately forgive yourself. I used to think that the best way to stand up for myself with others was more or less to play tit for tat. If they were going to be a jerk, well, I was going to be an even bigger jerk right back. I'll show them. But after a while, I started to notice that this might have felt good in the moment, since neurologically, a blast of anger releases dopamine and norepinephrine, two neurochemicals associated with the sense of reward and energy. But after the dust settled, others could be reeling or looking at me in new and skeptical ways or criticizing how I said something as a way to avoid dealing with what I was trying to say. I also felt bad inside after the storm passed. So I started to focus more on my own side of the street and taking a higher road when others didn't. When you do this, you can still say what you see and what you want, but you don't get so caught up in reacting to others or trying to make something happen in the black box of their mind. I call it the 80-20 rule. Sure, put 20% or so of your attention and effort on how others could do better. And meanwhile, put 80% of your attention and effort on where you have most of your own actual power and influence, on yourself. This feels good from the start, since then you're focused on where you actually make things happen. In other words, in your own thoughts, words, and deeds. This approach pulls you out of dead-end quarrels 
especially with people who are just trying to troll you or get a reaction out of you. It clears the decks for others to have to focus on the substance of what you're talking about. It removes any legitimate causes for complaint about you from another person. One by one, you're taking maximum reasonable personal responsibility for their issues and doing what you can, and you certainly get to be the one who decides what is maximum and reasonable. Along the way, third parties on the sidelines see you acting with dignity and class, and they respect you for it. And over time, this approach, staying right when you're wronged, puts you on the moral high ground and in a much stronger position to get what you want and need from other people. It's not easy to do this at first. At least it wasn't for me, I can tell you that. But with practice, it will become a habit. Here are some keys. Slow it down. Pause. Take a breath. Buy yourself some time. Give that smart but slow prefrontal cortex behind your forehead time to catch up to that quick but rigid amygdala that's trying to hijack you. Widen your view. Be aware of your body as a whole, the room as a whole, the bird's eye view. This activates circuits in your brain that pull you out of emotional reactivity and give you a bigger perspective. Get centered. Take a breath and let it out slowly, engaging the calm and strong parasympathetic branch of your nervous system. Feel your feet on the ground. Find your footing, both literally and figuratively. Keep your eyes on the prize. Know what your priorities are in this situation, in this relationship, with others who could be watching or hearing about it all later. Know what's important to you, short-term and long-term. Speak your truth appropriately, including sometimes saying nothing at all. Be clear, be direct, speak from your heart as appropriate. Be careful about your tone. Let go of trying to prove yourself or impress others or drive your point home. Don't feel the need to resist what others are saying. Let it pass through you like a stormy wind through the strong branches of a deeply rooted tree. And when it's time to disengage, really let yourself feel good about taking that higher road, no matter what others do. Sometimes you've done all you can to improve a relationship at home or at work. You've gotten on your own side, forgiven yourself, taken things less personally, taken care of your own side of the street, and other skillful things. And still, the other person, whatever, keeps letting you down or being disrespectful, giving endless unwanted advice, not keeping their agreements, or simply being, frankly, a general pain in the neck. Maybe you're just different kinds of people, and they're never going to want to go to the opera with you, and you're never going to want to go to another heavy metal concert with Metallica. Depending on the situation, you may have had a heart-to-heart talk with them. Maybe you've involved your manager, or seen a counselor, written a letter, etc., etc., and still, the problems continue. Then, what can you do? You can resize the relationship. Relationships need to be as big as their foundations, including in trust and safety. If a relationship is bigger than its actual foundations, that's a risk to you and maybe others. Resizing can look lots of different ways. Depending on the details, you might say to yourself something like this. Hmm, 
Our politics are at opposite ends of the spectrum. Easier not to talk about it. Or, after that first date, I'm not interested in romance here. Or, after that last project at work, mm, I'm going to avoid being on a team with them in the future. Or, they get weird after a couple drinks, not going to any more bars with them. Or, they were a good friend in college, but at this point, having lunch once or twice a year is plenty. Or, not much emotional support from that person when I really needed it. Hmm, not going to ask for it again. Or, I love my dad, and I am going to take care of him, but he just can't live with us. And ultimately, if shrinking the scope of the relationship is not enough, you may have to disengage entirely. In some situations, your options for resizing could be limited, such as a boss you are stuck with at work, or an ex that you are raising children with. But even if you can't resize things out in the world, you can take a big step back inside your own mind. You have the right to resize your relationship as you judge best, according to what you see and what you care about. Others may not like it, and that's their right, much as it is your right to do what you think best. Paradoxically, knowing that you can resize a relationship enables you to be open to others, knowing that you can change things if you need to over time. You can stay in relationship rather than cutting someone off entirely. It's just that now the relationship is more contained. Your boundaries are clearer, which is good for you and usually for others. Thank you, Rick. I'm going to keep some of these ideas in mind during tonight's Valentine's dinner. Wish me luck. Tomorrow, I'll be back with journalist Nick Romeo, author of The Alternative, How to Build a Just Economy. Meanwhile, please sign up for my newsletter using the link in the episode notes or by searching for The Next Big Idea on LinkedIn. It'll help you keep on top of the latest ideas. And that's a smart move. I'm Michael Kavnet. See you tomorrow.